This episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast is brought to you by Audiate from TechSmith. Audiate makes recording and editing your voice as simple as editing text in a document. And you can try it for free. I'll drop a few more details in a bit, so keep listening and learn more at TechSmith.com. Welcome to the If You Ask Betty podcast. This podcast is designed to discuss all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz, and today we're talking with Jonathan Hill about his top 10 tips for boosting creativity. Hi, Jonathan. Hello, Betty. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Help our listeners get to know you just a little bit better. Can you give us a quick intro about you and maybe even how we met? So hello, everyone. Um, As you can probably tell from the accent, I'm a a learning technologist based in the UK. Um, A long and potted history in learning and development, but the the Reader's Digest version is we've got a background in teaching and training in the further education and insurance sector. So a bit of public sector, a bit of private sector experience there. And since 2016, I've kind of moved away from face-to-face training and I've begun to specialise uh, well, I began to specialise in online training and remote learning. Um, and today I'm the digital learning manager for a company called Commercial Express. Uh, and also as, as part of that that arc, if you want to call it that, um, I'm an active member of the Articulate community as well. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, it was through sharing examples of my work from that community on LinkedIn that we first connected, wasn't it, Betty? It was indeed. And do you remember like sort of what the conversation began with? Um, I think it was like, how, how, how did you do that? Um, <laughs> in, in, in paraphrase. And... It, it was, but I got I to gotta tell the rest of the story. So it's okay. <laughs> it's okay that you don't remember it the way that I do. That's not unusual. But um, you used Bitmoji in your e-learnings. When I first sort of encountered it, I was right in the middle of a uh, long drawn out conversation with my uh, daytime employer about why I wanted to use Bitmoji, and they wanted me to get permission from Snap, which of course I couldn't even get them to return my message. I'm sure they have a lot of other messages besides me saying, "Hey, can I have permission to use Bitmoji?" So, anyways, so I had asked you about that, and then you were like, "Oh crap!" And I, <laughs> you were like, "Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be doing this." And then I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I just really wanted somebody to advocate for me that it was okay to have Bitmoji, and you were I. I don't know. I was really worried you thought I called you out on that, no, but that's not that's really what was happening. <laughs> and, and and probably the reason why I kind of I haven't that hasn't kind of jumped out of my memory when you asked me is um it was it's just all bound up with all these conversations we've had about all the areas of L and D and all the all the bits and bobs. Um but yeah, now you point it out, that was I remember it perhaps in a different order. I think that I felt that came later, but you're probably right. That was probably the first our first contact as it were. <laughs> Um, I do think it was. Yeah, but the, but for your listeners, the too long didn't read um, version of, of, of that conversation is that um, Bitmoji allows you to use Bitmojis for personal use, but don't put them anywhere near a commercial product. Um, so, you know, that that's a, that's a pro tip. <laughs> it is a pro tip for sure. Now that we have closure to that story. <laughs> so uh, today we're chatting about your top 10 tips for boosting creativity. I'm super excited to chat about this with you because you recently accomplished something pretty incredible in as far as creativity goes. So tell us about your involvement with the Articulate e-learning Heroes Challenge. 
sort of what is the challenge just in case people don't know and what did you do that that's so really that's just really cool okay um i think uh, most people listening to this will have some idea of what the the challenges are but for for those who don't uh, i'll just give you a very very quick overview as to, as to what it is and what it does um the e-learning heroes challenge is a weekly forum it, it's run by articulate and they're the makers of those well-known authoring tools such as Storyline and Rise. David Anderson, their director of customer training, sets a new challenge each week. And he's really, really good at this. And he's curated over the years a really diverse and dynamic set of challenges. Um, and he sets that challenge each week. And anyone can enter, be it novice developer or a seasoned pro. And you enter by simply sharing a demo that meets that week's brief. So it's fair to say there is a focus on Articulate products, but you will see demos that combine Storyline and other tools such as Camtasia, Beyond and Adobe products. I mean, some of the, the Photoshopping skills that I see in the forums, you know, it's second to none. Um, but the most important aspect of the challenges is the kind of sharing of ideas that occurs in the comments. So what, what's been the takeaway for me is this really positive environment that kind of offers novice designers support but also gives people who've been in the game for a while, like like me, um, a, bit, a bit of a kick up the bum, really, which means that we're not complacent and don't become closed to new ideas. Um, and I'm always really surprised and impressed by the contributions I see on there. Um, and I've been lurking in the comments for a little while before I plucked up the courage to, to first share my work uh, back in May 2019. And it was another of my American friends, Jonathan Rock. Hi, Jonathan. Um, my e-learning brother from another mother is how we describe each other. Um, he first encouraged me to take part in the challenges. He was, we, we were chatting and he was saying, you know, look, I think, you know, you get some benefit out of doing this and certainly other people would, would enjoy seeing your work. Um, and I enjoyed myself so much during those first 13 weeks of the challenges. Um, I decided to see if I could complete 52 weeks in a row. Um, and then I foolishly announced that on the internet. <laughs> oh um, that no never tell anybody about goals no, like that that's anybody. terrible but i thought that would keep me honest it, felt, it feels a bit like you know new year's resolution you know i'm going to hit the gym more this year or i'm going to take up a hobby or i'm going to read more uh, and you never tell anyone and uh, you've only got yourself to hold yourself accountable and then you don't um so it felt like a way of keeping me honest as well um and it's really been a mixture of kind of stubbornness curiosity and and really genuine enjoyment that have powered me through it and I wouldn't have thought when I set myself that challenge that in the latter part of those uh, challenges, we'd be looking at, you know, a global pandemic. Um, yeah. You know, didn't account for any of this. And it has thrown up its challenges, but I have, you know, made that pledge and I made that pledge to do 52 weeks in a row, which I did. But I have to stress that there are many, many other members of the community who've notched up dozens more demos than I have. And they've been participating for, for longer than I have. And they post exceptional demos week after week. And I'd need to tip my hat in particular to, to Jodie Sansone, um, who's, you know, remarkable. Every week she comes up with something, you know, really, really crisp, um, well-designed. It, it's it's a finished product. It's not really a demo. It's a finished product. Um, if you were to submit that to your, to your boss or to your client, they'd be more than happy with it. Um, but what I think made this experience different for me and why I seem to have found a bit of an audience through it is that I blogged about my journey and what I learned from each demo in a way that many people who are new to the industry have since told me that they found helpful, which was really quite mm -hmm. gratifying. Um, 
uh, it was really a, a diary that I was keeping just just to my own benefit as much as anything else. Um, but I also need to thank another American friend for that. It was Cara North who helped me find my voice for the blog. Um, so that 52 Things I Learned blog, which I posted in four parts on LinkedIn, um, that very first blog, Cara helped me shape that into the format that um, I followed then for the, 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 next, the, next, the next episode of that. But with, a, with all creative exercises, you need to pull in as much experience, advice and perspective from outside yourself to get the best results. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's precisely what we're here to talk about today. It is. And, and so I have, have one more question, though, before we get into your top 10 tips for boosting creativity. That's not easy to say, by the way. <laughs> it's not. You decided to do 52 weeks in a row. You, you, you made the rookie mistake of telling people that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I'm glad you did because it gave us something to look forward to for sure. Um, but so no doubt that during those 52 weeks, there were times when you were like, I don't want to, I just don't want to, especially once we hit um, COVID-19 pandemic space. So what motivated you to keep going in the challenge? What the like, what about it? What about completing that week's challenge sort of lit up your board and, and helped you do the next one? It's a really good question. Um, for me, there's a combination of factors here. Um, I work for an insurance company um, that talks about insurance and insurance isn't the sexiest of topics. It is and, not. Uh, and I, I, I can't always make it sexy. Um I'm, I've got a little bit of gained a little bit of a reputation now for for approaching what can be a dry topic in in a bit more of an engaging way, uh, particularly in terms of insurance. But I can't always do that, you know. Um, what what I what you see on LinkedIn and what you'll see on my website and and what you'll see that I share are those examples that you know are, are kind of at the, the the fun end of the spectrum. And I, I use fun in inverted commas because I know there's uh, a lot of people don't like the word fun in learning. Um, mm-hmm. you can't Don't be always, friends with them. Don't be friends you, with those you can't always do that, though. You know, it's not it's not appropriate. Um, you know, there's there's no fun way of talking about terrorism insurance. There's no fun way of, of talking about um, death benefits on policies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the weekly challenges are a bit of an outlet. So um, if I don't get that creative outlet during during my working week the motivation to take part in the challenges is to kind of like scratch that itch, you know, um, that, and often the challenges because David curates them very well because they don't really repeat each other each week. Mm-hmm. There's something else that sparks your interest. Um, and as designers, I think we also sometimes, um, learning professionals, instructional designers, e-learning developers, uh, all under the same umbrella here. I think sometimes we can focus on, um, tinkering with things till they're absolutely right um and perfect being the enemy of good and the challenges as well that kind of right do this challenge on friday submit it then the next one comes the following friday forget about the last one um Mm -hmm. there have been cases where i've gone back but that that forward motion that forward movement you know just keep going forward uh what have you learned from the last one that you can apply to the next one um i find that very motivating as well and very freeing as well these weren't products for a client or your, your employer. Um, they um, were addressing a particular aspect of the software or a particular topic, and then you move on to the next one. And that's very freeing. And, and, and over 52 weeks, um, I'd like to think I didn't repeat myself, but that's as much the way the challenges are curated 
as as they are my approach to them as well. Um, and I can only, you know, emphasize David Anderson's role in that. Yeah. And, and the freeing part. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of us work for corporations and we have brand standards that we have to go by and a certain voice that we have to write in. And mm. in this one, you get to do your own. You get to choose your brand or what it looks like or or if it doesn't even follow a brand from week to week if it's just whatever you want it to be and you get you get to choose sort of the boundaries of your creativity and so i can see how that would be very freeing and really it could it could light up ideas for your actual day job too yeah and it has Mm -hmm. yeah it totally has one informs the other and vice versa it really has been the case and i know i know people in exactly that situation designers who who work for um, a, a very large company in the UK, which I won't name, but they have a particular colour scheme and it's the same colour as a bumblebee or a wasp and it's not very easy on the eye, but in their day uh-huh. job, that's the colour scheme they need to apply to every slide, every desk drop, every shot that comes out. And, yeah. and it looks like a, a, a hazard warning rather than uh, a learning piece. Um, yeah. So if you're bound by certain restrictions in your day job, I'd recommend the challenges as an outlet. You know, you, you're your own CEO when it comes to the challenges. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get to call call the shots in terms of what it looks like in particular. Very cool. So I think that uh, completing 52 e-learning heroes challenges definitely qualifies you as an authority on creativity. And, and all the people in the back just said amen. So uh, <laughs> walk us through your top 10 tips for boosting creativity. I'm very excited to be debuting these on the If You Ask Betty podcast. Thank you very much, Betty. So there's 10 tips. These will resonate for some of you. Others, you may be scratching your head as to, you know, how I get any kind of creative process from that. But bear with me. If, if any one of these tips works for you, that's great. If they all work for you, even better. But this is what I've identified from 52 weeks as being the kind of top 10 approaches I consistently applied in order to, to keep those creative juices flowing from week to week. So the first one, is to, it's, a, it's an oldie, it's a goodie, it's mind mapping. So this is a really tried and trusted method of finding inspiration, and I always return to it. Um, so every time a challenge was announced, I drew a quick mind map to identify as many ways as possible of, of meeting that particular brief. And that's a, just a normal mind map, you, you know, start, start from the, the middle, work outward. But you have to be selective about what you put in the middle of your mind map. So you have to kind of look at the brief, look at what the requirement is, what what David is driving at with that particular challenge, and that that forms the the middle of your mind map. So it's a great way for developing new concepts. So if you keep that original brief at the centre of your mind map, what will usually happen is if you are like me and it starts to kind of make associations between concepts and images, that mind map can get quite big. Often, the further out from the middle of the mind map you go, the further into whimsy you may be in danger of of kind of drifting and those ideas that are furthest away from the center of the mind map may as a consequence have a weaker connection to the brief although it's sometimes mm-hmm. worth just exploring those outer fringes of the mind map too because you you know you you can go high concept you know advertisers do sometimes use quite high concept approaches to, to sell a product and as learning designers you can sometimes take a similar approach to an e-learning piece um, or to develop a classroom piece. You know, it, it's the same sort of thought process. But high concept could also be highly confusing. So when, when the context 
becomes so far removed from the topic that's when you kind of pair it back but it can give you an in it can give you a kind of flash of inspiration to to build a theme that brings you back to the center of the topic so don't rule those ideas out but the, the process of mind mapping just just represents to you visually well the, these are these are the concepts ideas and themes that are more closely related to the topic and perhaps those are the ones that i can focus on but is there anything else on the outside of here that adds a bit of novelty that can kind of just spice up spice up this concept and yeah. you know if you can marry those two that's that's where the magic happens um, so mind map is the first thing I do every time a, a challenge is dropped and I've got a, a notebook full of them that look like the ramblings of, of a madman um, so <laughs> that's, that's well as long as that that notebook is wrapped in leather people will think you're a genius just <laughs> yeah. um, but but the ma- mind mapping I love that this is the first tip you give because I do something similar. Uh, I use Post-its though, because I'm a Post-it note freak. I love Post-its and I love that they're so versatile and you can move them around. So Mm. I'll sit down and write down all of these thoughts and then use the Post-its, put them up on a wall and put them sort of in an order, which is similar to what mind mapping is. You just sort of put it in order as you're writing it down. So I think they're they're similar concepts, but um, I like, I'm actually looking at your blog that's that uh is linked to this podcast and uh, i love the example that's in there also your your i don't know if you know this but your handwriting is very telling about you did you know that because you use a lot of all capitals is that is that a topic for a separate podcast (laughs) it is it definitely is because it's that's been highly researched but anyways that's just a side note yeah so i i typically use post-its but i do it very similarly to the way that you do it and what a great way to get all of those ideas that are swimming in your head out get them out so that you don't have to keep trying to hold on to them so it's a i think that's great that that's your number one tip because that's i think probably where everyone should start number two then is um pun believable which in and of itself is an illustration of what i'm talking about since i became a dad in particular my brain my lizard brain word association and puns um, it's frightening. It's you know if this, if this happens to gentlemen listening to this of a certain age, you 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 will turn into your father. It does happen, and you and you'll find yourself saying these things before you even finish thinking them. And and where where did that come from? So it's a little bit like mind mapping, but I always find if you're not down with mind mapping, you find it too messy, too time consuming. Try word association exercises instead. So it's a much looser process. But it's helped me make connections and develop ideas without getting stuck in the branches of a mind map. So for this reason, it can take you in some kind of unexpected directions as well. So there was a challenge just before Christmas last year. It was challenge number 263. And uh, it was build a course based on uh, Pantone's 2020 colour of the year, which was classic blue. So my lizard brain immediately connected the words blue and Christmas. And that gave me the title and concept for the demo. Because it was a very wide brief, it was just you know incorporate this color into your into your um, module. So it was you know it was a very open ended brief. So I was looking at Blue Christmas, and you know we all know the song, and you know being unhappy at Christmas. And I started to research the topic of kind of mental health and loneliness in more detail. And it became clear that what had begun as a pun actually required a bit more of a serious treatment, perhaps a bit more of a serious treatment than than I'd done in previous challenges which you know have tended to to err uh, toward you know the slightly jokey and cartoonish on, on occasions so that that took me in a surprising direction but on the flip side finding puns from the keywords can also un, un, unlock a range of 
concepts for your design as well. The checklist interactions challenge. Um, I just it literally came from the title. It was a check. It was check please, and it was checking mm-hmm. a bill. That wasn't a mind map. That was just two or three words and sentences written on a piece of paper. Um, so it became the title of the demo, the concept. And it also made sure because I'd related it to the brief that I'd also met the brief as well because I'd used checklists. Um, so that demo, it's a memory game where you see um, a waiter serving a variety of food at a table. Uh, it's a timed activity. And then after that time has elapsed, you have to check the bill and make sure you're not being overcharged um, and use the checklist function on Storyline. And again, that all just came from word association without necessarily, um, you know, drawing a mind map. It's a similar process, but it's, it's much looser um, mm-hmm. and sort of contradictory because it's based on words. It can also give you much tighter focus. So it takes you in unexpected directions, but it does give you when you land a really good association, a very tight focus. Yeah, I like that you also have to go with your gut when you're when you're doing something with puns or pun believable. I could see how like you would hear the name of a challenge and then the first thing that comes to your head, you know, oh, check, please. But then w- what we do is we talk ourselves out of that. And so I, th- I like that you're sort of saying that part of the creativity is, you know, go with the goofy, right? Like it's not as ridiculous as it sounds. If it made you laugh, it will probably make somebody else laugh. Um, and which means which makes it engaging and, and interesting. So I like that a lot. And I, I'll tell you right now, I, I'll tell all of the listeners that if you have perused any of Jonathan's work, he is real good at the puns, super <laughs> good. And I personally love that. Like it's the, that's, that's what makes me want to click the button and, and, you know, and, and experience the e-learning because I'm like, this is hysterical. I like the puns. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And, 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 and like, like I say, you know, it can be goofy, but you, on the one hand, you've got check, please. And then on the flip side, you've got blue Christmas. Right. And, and the two the two very very different experiences so um you can you can be quite subtle with it um su- subtler than than i am when i'm telling jokes at the dinner table yeah and what's great is like something like blue christmas is and even check please it the title of it connects to people people know what that means mm. um they have heard it before and so and that's not a bad thing like you know innovation is all is not about creating brand new thing it's about taking what we have and making a new use of it. And so it's very innovative for you to just sort of come up with those quick lines and then use that and build something amazing out of it. So I'm not just trying to like blow smoke. I'm just being honest. Like, I think that you really do have uh, a level of creativity that most of us dream of. Well, um, again, that, that's, that's lovely to hear. And um, I, I'm really flattered by that. And I, 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 I never went into this process thinking that it this would find the kind of reaction and audience that it has um so you know that's that's really nice um i mean if anyone if anyone is wondering you know um how you might start approaching that mindset particularly around word association is i'd I'd say pay attention to to what advertising does Mm -hmm. um i think l and d could could learn a lot from advertising uh how does that how do adverts hook you uh particularly print adverts or um you know um the, the short pop-ups on the internet, you know, they've got a, a couple of seconds of your time, um, that combination of words and images, uh, how are they Agreed. grabbing you? Um, and that, that's, that's an interesting way to approach some of these, some of these challenges, both in terms of the e-learning heroes challenges, but your challenges on, on the day to day. 
you know how you're going to grab your learners attention and, and yeah. part of that I think is, is about your, your word association very true okay tell us the next one okay Excited. so number three is it's not a bug it's a feature um so anyone with a kind of computing background will re recognize this phrase um you, you developed a product and then somewhere down the line you find out that this button doesn't work in a particular way do you fix it or do you turn it into a feature what i found and not talking specifically about storyline but software in general is that once you get to know a piece of software very well you may find what are kind of in layman's terms bugs there may be quirks of how that software operates um, but you can use them to your advantage um, so when you do face obstacles and challenges like that don't see them as obstacles or challenges um, if you are locked into a particular piece of software for contractual organization or whatever reason and you can't kind of shop around sometimes you have to kind of lean into the way that software works to get the most from it so just a couple of examples off the top of my head the focusing on the storyline again these aren't necessarily bugs they're just quirks of how the system works but you can use them to your advantage so the feature where you can draw draw a question from a question bank in storyline now for for reasons i won't go into here I had a situation where um, I needed a question to be drawn at random. Part of the uh, course allowed the user to navigate away from that question to perhaps go and research the answer in a bit more detail if they felt they couldn't answer it at that point, and then navigate back to the question. Now, I just assumed that it would present a different question because there was a question mm -hmm. bank with, with five slides in. But no, whatever way I built it, it always took you back to the same question, which was great because it it, it meant that 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 person that was already familiar with the question could come back to it and then you know have a second look at it with armed with a bit more knowledge. Um, there are ways of of gaming the system so it it doesn't do that. Again, if anyone wants to talk about that in more detail, get it get in touch with me. But once you understand that that's the way that that function performs. In this instance, it's actually a feature, but in other circumstances, it might be a bug. So you mm -hmm. just need to recognize that, that, that features are designed to perform in a certain way. Draw from a question bank randomly says to you that you should be seeing a different question each time. Doesn't necessarily work that way. And again, without getting into the technicals here and without having the benefit of a screencast, um, I won't go too far down into that. But other examples are, you know, scroll panels perform in a certain way. Um, the new jump to time trigger is very interesting in storyline uh, in that um, you can sequence events using cue points or jump back to a certain time on the timeline and there is a distinction that the, that the the software makes between the timeline start and zero seconds on the timeline and kind of treats them as, as two separate events so when the timeline first starts it, you can have a trigger that activates something when the timeline starts on that slide when it's first opened but it will also treat as separate an event that's based at naught seconds on the timeline. Um, and that opens up some interesting possibilities for you because you can have repeating actions um, that, that ignore that first event on the timeline, but then scoop up everything that starts at naught seconds. And again, if this verbally isn't making a lot of sense about a screencast, I won't go, go too far into it. It's about experimenting with the software, understanding mm -hmm. how each feature works, Depending on the demands of your project, it's not a bug, it's a feature. So don't be put like off it. when the software doesn't perform in a way that you anticipate or indeed planned. Try and then plan it into your design in a way that, that utilizes it rather than treats it as an obstacle. That's a great 
hint um, so that we can get less frustrated and more creative. I like it. So my fourth tip here is make something new. Um, sometimes the missing piece of your design, you, you won't find it in stock arts or icons or images. You might have found something, but you have to pay for it. Or it's under a license that you can't use in those circumstances. It might be a bit moody. going back to the top of our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so sometimes, you know, you have to be creative and build something from scratch. Now, you could be inspired by something you've seen, but if you create something new inspired by that, that's your own thing. You can use it as you see fit. And, it, and it, it, will, it will fill that little jigsaw size hole in the middle of your design and bring it all together. And for me, the one that jumps out, the challenge that jumps out for me that illustrates this was Challenge 260 and interactive sliders. So we were using uh, interactive sliders to demonstrate processes, um, segment information. And I happened upon looking at a slider to illustrate the... Um, <laughs> the relative radioactivity of various Marvel Comics characters, starting with um, the X-Men all the way up to to the Hulk, who's probably the most radioactive of them all. So fun. Treating treating the slider like a a Geiger counter, as it it, it were. And I thought, you know, this is the 60s, and everyone thought that radiation would give you superpowers rather than horrible diseases. And I called it Stanley's Totally Unscientific Guide to Radiation. And I needed a picture of Stan Lee, like a little cartoon image of Stan Lee. And there are there are bundles. There are bundles on the internet. You know, some some paid for, some of the um, commercial free licenses, royalty free licenses. But none of them really kind of met the kind of format of the design. And I couldn't manipulate them in the way that I wanted because I occasionally just wanted him to kind of like just change his expression and smile a bit and have the moustache twitch and stuff. I wanted to do Stan justice. It hadn't been long since he'd passed away and this was like a a little tribute to him. So I found an image that was sort of like the the image that I wanted and essentially traced the outline of that and and built a new one. And it's probably the most time I spent on a particular aspect of a demo throughout the the challenges um it probably took me by recollection at least two days to kind of just get that exactly how i wanted it but once it was there it was mine it was something i you know could could reuse i could share without you know coming under kind of some sort of injunction or get a letter Mm -hmm. from from a lawyer um and it just brought the design together in, in a way that that nothing else out there did so there'll be times when you hit that impasse where you've got that missing piece and the only way you can you can complete the jigsaw is to make something new and don't shy away from that and you don't need to be you know fantastic at photoshop um, it's amazing what yeah. you can do with just powerpoint that's cool and it's a great way to build some of those organic graphic design skills uh, by giving yourself that kind of challenge very cool i like that one tip five is typecasting now this isn't about using stereotypes or being inappropriate about people's appearances. Um, this is about the the type, the typeface, and the fonts that you use in your designs. Um, and this is a really quick, fast, and easy way of lifting your design from being ordinary into the extraordinary and just making things pop. Now you have to have some consideration for accessibility, and also consider people perhaps with um, Things like dyslexia, who may struggle with with you know fonts that are hard to read, um, mm-hmm. but bear that in mind when you're searching for a font. And if you find the right font, just as in the last tip, create something new. 
that font is out there. There's, there's a, an abundance of sites with um, free fonts, royalty-free fonts, fonts that have got commercial licenses for, for, for pennies. And that mm-hmm. font, again, might be the missing missing part of your jigsaw. And the example that stands out to me is, is the Star Wars challenge. Um, David's a big Star Wars fan, and uh, he said the Star Wars challenge when the, the, the um, I think it was The Last Jedi came out. And you can get royalty-free imitation star wars fonts but what that does is it kind of brings with it a lot of cultural capital as well and using that font immediately says you know the star wars font has global recognition um Mm -hmm. now this font isn't the star wars font it's an approximation of it it's a personal use um that demo was published on a kind of this is a personal use education product and recognizing that star wars is a property of disney so what i would say is that when you go for fonts that are well recognized that you just need to be careful how you use them. Um, but more broadly, the fonts evoke a spirit. They evoke a sense of something. And there are lots of fonts out there that, that aren't don't have commercial associations, but um, can also add interest and visual interest and tone to your piece as well. Um, there are a couple that I like in particular that look like um, dripping paint or spray graffiti. Mm. And again, it just... It, you know, you just just moves you away from the ordinary into something that's just a little bit more polished. Um, yeah. So fonts are a quick way of giving an existing course a quick facelift, and it's easy to see why organisations um, place so much emphasis on their brand and what font they use because they know that the font tells a story about their organisation. This is the font's almost like their tone of voice. You know, Absolutely. Are, are they casual or happy or jokey? And you can achieve all of that with a good font. And um, if you're struggling with your design um, in terms of the tone, the fonts are way into that. Have I ever told you my idea about, uh, I have a t-shirt idea for what that has to do with fonts. So like, I think it'd be amazing if you had like this black t-shirt and you used, you know, you just wrote like normal across the front in Times New Roman or just like, or like ordinary. Okay. in Times New Roman because uh, because Times New Roman is, I, I can spot it and I'm like what do you what is this who is using this font this is so 1997 stop it <laughs> like why are we using that and um in anyways I don't know sometimes people think that's funny sometimes people are like Betty what's wrong with you and I'm like I don't know I just think that Times New Roman is we should not use that font people get very passionate about fonts Betty I mean don't get me started on Comic Sans um, but again. Oh. It- Comic Sans it, it has it apparently has been shown that people with dyslexia in particular um, do appreciate Comic Sans, um, yeah. and you know you have to you have to bear that in mind. You know you can't you can't you can't make your your courses indecipherable to you know screen readers or That's true. or, or That's to, true or for those with with conditions like dyslexia. Yeah, but you sparingly you know a, a font can really can really lift your design. Agreed. Hey there, I gotta pause the show for just a minute and talk more about Audiate from TechSmith. Audiate is a new, powerful program that provides instant transcription and text-based audio editing. Yep, you heard that right. It is so easy. First, record your voiceover, or you can even import a recording you've already done. Audiate will automatically transcribe it like magic. Then you can easily and quickly edit by reading the actual text to make changes. Audiate even lets you delete all the ums and ahs and pauses all at the same time. 
This will save you so much time in the editing process. You can try it free right now for seven days. I even recorded this ad for Audiate on Audiate. Visit TechSmith.com today to check it out. Okay, back to the show. So the next tip I've got, number six, is, is to tie your hands. And this is all about setting yourself some limitations. So you might want to set yourself a time limit, or you might want to say, I'm only going to use certain resources or software, or, or even both. And it's interesting sometimes to see what you can achieve almost with, with one hand tied behind your back. So challenge 272 was about tab interactions and, and, and tab interactions are probably up there with, with labeled graphics and, and, and sliders as being one of the most commonly used interactions in e-learning and, you know, used well and used badly. You know, it, 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 it's, it's one of those areas like click next, you know, when, when is a click next button a good thing? When is a tab interaction a, a good thing? When do you use them and how do you use them? So the tab interactions challenge landed when I was traveling with my company um, and I was away away from home. I had my laptop with me. The internet connection was spotty. I didn't have a lot of time between meetings to, to submit the demo. And yeah, I could have kicked it into the long grass. I could even maybe have taken a week off or, you know, submitted it closer to the, the end of the following week. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself 90 minutes. I'm not going to use any stock images, clip arts, anything external. I'm going to build this completely in slide. I'm going to do it, do it in 90 minutes. That was a really freeing experience mm. because it's, it, I followed my usual process, did a mind map. Um, but once I got down to it, uh, those 90 minutes, uh, I both easily achieved the completed design in that time and don't mind me saying it, it was beautiful in its simplicity so sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes that just might you know pulling yourself back restricting your access to all these fancy clip arts image banks videos and just getting down to brass tacks can can be a really surprising experience and and a very creative one it's funny how when we have a deadline self-imposed or not sometimes the most creative ideas rise up quickly um, because we don't exhaust ourselves thinking, well, I could do this or I could do that. Instead, when a creative idea comes, we take it and we run with it. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, so I like that one a lot. That's really cool. That's a great tip. And it's also one I think that pe people listen to this who, who are restricted by brand guidelines, which we talked about a little earlier. Mm -hmm. Try not to see it as a restriction. Try, you know, your hands are tied, but what can you do within those parameters? And you, you'll surprise yourself and people frequently do. Uh, and often removing those restrictions um, can can remove your focus as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Agreed. So the uh, seventh tip I have is is Hey Rube, um, and this is inspired by the the work of uh, Rube Goldberg, who was um, an illustrator um, in the um, his, his heyday was like the forties, thirties and forties. Um, he's an American illustrator, a cartoonist, an engineer, and an inventor. He was one of these kind of Renaissance guys. But he became very famous for these illustrations of kind of very whimsical machines and overcomplicated gadgets that can conduct simple tasks in very indirect and convoluted ways. Um, and he was the focus of one of the e-learning hero challenges, um, Challenge 268, where David was challenging us to push our animation skills by building essentially a, a Rube Goldberg machine within, within, within Storyline. Um, in the UK, he had a contemporary called Heath Robinson. So any UK listeners, 
if I said Heath Robinson to you, 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 you might have a bit more of a, an idea of where we're going with this. Um, he, he had a similar series of illustrations of these kind of machines that had loads of pulleys and levers and all they were doing was like taking the top off a boiled egg or something. Um, fans of Wallace and Gromit, you know, there's a lot of Rube, uh, Rube Goldberg and um, Heath Robinson in Wallace and Gromit as well. These kind of cobbled together inventions. So where I'm going with this is that there's, there's two elements to this. There's a kind of um, front of house and, and backstage element to this. Rube Goldberg's illustrations are very popular because they kind of just put a smile on your face. They kind of made you laugh. Um, it was, you know, what, what's the point of all this elaborate machinery just to achieve this very simple thing? And as e-learning designers and, and developers, we have it drummed into us that our user interfaces need to be simple and intuitive and easy to use. Uh, and that that remains the case. But what you can sometimes do in a kind of front of house and kind of entertaining way is create an interaction that just kind of performs in a slightly whimsical, slightly unexpected way. It, it's, it's still an interaction that the user intuitively knows how to use. But once they've pressed that button or revealed that drop down or moved that scroll box, something happens that just kind of takes them a little bit by surprise. And this is kind of designing for delight, just adding bits of delight to your design that kind of take people by surprise and just just flash a little smile across their face, just mentally. Um, it's kind of putting the fun back into functional from where I'm sitting. Sure. Um, and again, I use fun in, in, in very kind of limited terms. We're not going for belly laughs. We're not, you know, this isn't going to be like something happens on screen that makes people laugh out loud. It just makes that interaction a, a pleasurable thing. You know, it's, oh, I've pressed that and that's happened. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it just keeps, it's another way of keeping people engaged, particularly in transitions between content and slides and sections of the course. So just, just bear that in mind, you know, don't over-engineer something, but you can give the appearance of something um, being over-engineered. Um, and sometimes that can just, you know, just lift your design, keep people engaged um, and kind of think of, of cause and effect if something's moved on your screen if it if it intersects with another item on your screen might they interact in some way you know are, are you affecting the environment by by moving through this course um have you changed the environment by moving through this course uh, and that's sometimes an interesting way to go as well because it can also be used to kind of visually represent progress almost like a kind of progress bar um you know you're, you're knocking things down as you go so that's almost like a progress bar. Oh, there's one more thing to knock down. Let's knock it down. And again, it puts the fun back into functional. And then the yeah. backstage element of this is that I've found lots of workarounds, particularly in storyline, which are a bit Rube Goldberg. They are they are pullers and pulleys and levers and widgets and things going on in the background that the user doesn't see, but which will enable you to kind of push the software. In a, in a different direction so the, the the big thing for me the big success i've had in this was to um, alter the um, random number variable in storyline so that it doesn't repeat itself which is quite important sometimes um, if you if you want to have behaviors and actions based on a random number variable you don't want that necessarily that action or that behavior to repeat itself mm -hmm. so the random number generator you can very easily put a variable in that generates a random number between you know one and ten whichever range you specify but you can click it and you can occasionally come up with the same number twice or even three times in a row statistically that is possible and that that might not be what you you're trying to achieve with your your user experience so i've 
constructed a number of methods over the past year that allow allow the the, the system allow Storyline to recognise where it's already drawn that number without using JavaScript. Because I know there's a JavaScript out there that will do it, but first they wanted to be able to run the the preview without having that kind of pop up that says JavaScript is disabled in preview. So you can't actually see it working without publishing. So mm-hmm. for kind of rapidly testing and prototyping your design is JavaScript. JavaScript is great, but you can't kind of rapidly prototype with it in, in the way that you can when you build it in slide. And also there are still some working environments where um, JavaScript can, can misbehave at the end user's side of things. You know, some organizations do block it in browsers, for instance, because of mm-hmm. about, um, bugs and, and hacking and the like. So where I've been able to build something in slide, almost like a mechanical computer in the background, that's been totally inspired by Heath Robinson and, and, and Rube Goldberg. You know, there's this little Wallace and Gromit machine in the background that just yeah. just recognizing when a random number has already been pulled and then asking the random number variable for another number. That can power some very, very complex interactions. So I managed to build a an AI opponent I say AI, a very rudimentary artificial intelligence opponent for a battleship-style game. So you get the question wrong, and then the opponent then has a go at answering the question as well. But it will acknowledge, you know, where you've already kind of put your ticket, as it were, what, what your answer is. And again, all of that at the moment is achieved without JavaScript. Um, yeah. And just thinking outside the box and thinking mechanically and thinking back to, to Goldberg and to Heath Robinson and to more recently to Wallace and Gromit, can open up some really, really complex and interesting interactions. So I have two thoughts about this. The first thought is that fun is not a four-letter word. So it's okay if your your training, your e-learning is fun. Okay. It's like it's not, that's not a bad word. It's totally fine for it to be fun. And I and I get what you're saying because some people are like, well, we're trying to teach people, you know. <laughs> Well, okay, sure. But we're we're going for the dopamine drip that gets them to keep moving and in an engaged way. So that's fun. Like it can be pleasurable. Like you said, it can be something that makes them smile. And I was smiling as you were talking about that. Every time you said Wallace and Gromit, I'm smiling. And then as you're describing it, my second thing, my second thought is it reminds me of Back to the Future because Doc Brown had these crazy gadgets that would like make his coffee in the morning or feed the dog. Do you, are you familiar with Back to Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm smiling here as you I'm just imagining his hair and his voice. <laughs> yeah, and every every um every episode he they showed some gadget that he had created in like the one that I remember the most probably cuz I've watched this one recently is in the third one where he has this great big machine that makes all this noise and is like shaking and there's all the smoke coming out of it. And when it's all done, it makes him an ice cube. <laughs> yes. And, and which given, you know, it's, it happens in eight, is it 1855, 18? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Something yeah. like that, that they don't have ice. So that makes sense yeah. that that would be a big deal to try to make it. But like I, those always, those scenes always make me smile when like, you know, this machine is like making eggs or, um, making coffee or feeding the dog. So that's the other thing it reminded me of. And do we learn anything from that? We learn that Doc is quirky and it makes us smile and want to know what's going to happen next. So there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's amazing. I think that's a great tip. Yeah, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad you're on the same page. But again, as with all these tips, you can be you can be very overt with them. We can be very subtle with them as well. But in particular on, on this tip, 
is that you know there's 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 often always a mechanical or engineering solution as i put it for those of us who are not i mean i'm getting better with javascript you know i've even written a few lines of script that have you know to to get storyline to do things i want it to do and it's it's wonderful i feel like harry potter like i've discovered this like magic language yeah. um but it has it comes with its own restrictions if you're not really a coder or very familiar with javascript it can be very daunting and mm-hmm. it could be less daunting to kind of build a contraption um that does what you want it to do and okay it might not be the most efficient use of your time but in the process you're also kind of learning animation skills understanding more how the triggers and variables work um, and that can inform your development into javascript because you have you have to kind of follow a similar thought process you know you, you're essentially talking about calculations often and, and things need to occur in sequence and if if you know if javascript at the moment feels like a foreign language to you start thinking about the process of making calculations in a mechanical way and it, and it can take you in some surprising directions and 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 it certainly helped my thinking when it comes to getting to know javascript better mm-hmm. so number eight is uh reduce reuse and recycle this is just to say you know you you can sometimes repeat yourself um mm-hmm. just just be just be clever about how you do it um all the great masters reuse their own work they often painted over existing work um, or used it as the, the framework for or the basis for another piece. Um, if you discover a format, a layout, or an interaction that, that works, um, you know it, it meets that learning need. It, it delivers the information um, in the way that it needs to. It's effective. Um, the results and feedback from its deployment are encouraging. You know it's easy to repurpose into another piece. Then mm-hmm. don't be afraid to repurpose it into an, into another piece. Um, and again, coming back to branding guidelines, it might be that you're operating in a, a situation where you, you you have to reuse certain templates and formats. And you might have to have a conversation with your higher ups about sometimes how that format works and how sometimes it might not be appropriate for the thing you're trying to do or how it could be tweaked to be better. You know, um, are, are all the elements on the screen in the appropriate places? You know, there's a certain areas of a slide, for instance, or a screen. That we're going to pay more attention to and they, they tend to be the top the top left and bottom right of a slide um, that follows the, the Gutenberg diagram um, mm-hmm. but again the Gutenberg diagram is a template and pattern that you can reuse mm-hmm. so you can reskin your designs but keep the skeleton um, mm-hmm. and you, you have all the benefits of everything that's been proven to have worked has benefited the uh, delivery of the information in, in, in previous iterations but this new iteration looks a bit different might have used a different font we already talked about that um different color scheme but the structure and format and skeleton of it remain the same so don't don't be afraid to 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 reuse things that you know that work uh, in a way that just you know um brings along the benefits of that that tested method but you can reskin it it's okay you don't you don't have to recreate everything about it every time Great tip. Um, so never be afraid of that. Never be afraid of that. And um, in 52 weeks, although each demo was different, I did use base templates for a couple of them, in particular the the, um, the demos which were uh, sized for mobile devices. Um, because once you've got that setup working, you know that it works in a different context, on a different topic, you can just redeploy it. So, you know, you don't have to invent the wheel every time you develop a course. Mm-hmm. So my ninth tip, um, thank you for listening so far, everybody. I hope, hope this is still interesting for you all. Um, my ninth tip is um, to go for a walk. Often inspiration will hit you when you're away from your desk 
thinking about something else, doing something else. So if you're stuck in the weeds for inspiration, you know, go for a walk or even better go for a run, get some exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, there's no two ways about it. Um, the number of times I have struggled with um, making something work or finding inspiration for a piece, just finding that way in, even after going through some of these processes and then just walked away from it. Um, I'd like to say I didn't rage quit. Occasionally I've rage quit. I've walked away from it. <laughs> you know, that that's just not happening today. But then to be doing something else, like the washing up or yeah. fixing my daughter's bike and it just hits you. Um, but very often that's, a, you know, it's physical activity. So we spend a lot of time behind our desks. Um, mm-hmm. If you get a standing desk, that's great. I'd love a standing desk. I just don't have the space for one. Um get active and you'll find that this you know just putting your brain on the back burner for a bit almost resets it and, and inspiration will come to you in the, in the strangest of places usually when you're running around a field and you're mm-hmm. as far away from your computer as your legs probably could could have taken you um and then if you're anything like me you find yourself sort of hot footing it back with that idea for still fresh in your head in order to implement it but you never would have got to it if you hadn't gone for the walk or the run i have also experienced that multiple times are you a walker or a runner then betty is it, is well, it a case of I'm a walker. I, I'm retired from running. Um, I ran a I ran a marathon in 2016. Uh, I don't recommend it to anybody. And um, yeah, so I used to run. I ran for several years, but uh, now I prefer to walk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, very very similar story here. We could we could trade um, marathon injuries, perhaps, but so that that's a, yes. that's for another podcast. Another one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that final tip number ten to take risks where your time and resource allows, put together a pro- proposal which isn't bound by your, your client or employer's style guide or branding rules. Um, and maybe I'm contradicting myself here, you know, but yes, you can find inspiration by restraining yourself and restricting yourself with with resources, time, branding, but given unlimited resources, time, and no branding, how would you tackle the problem differently? And importantly, if you didn't have those restrictions and you were to tackle it differently and given a free hand, is your way of tackling it more effective? So again, don't strain to whimsy, don't go too far into high concept, but you might find that presenting this unrestrained example alongside your more conservative proposal, you know, they might just go for it. So creativity sometimes for me is about, about taking those risks and being prepared for the feedback that no, that's not what we want or why on earth would we want that, or, or, or have you gone mad? Um, as long as you can balance that with, okay, well, you know, here's proposal A, here's proposal B, and take risks occasionally and, and, and give people the choice and give people the opportunity to see how outside of all of these restraints, style guides, branding, a little bit more resource perhaps, a little bit more investment in perhaps the visual design element of, of your course, or a bit more investment in, hey, you know, are the on characters really cutting it here? Um, mm-hmm. Could we could we get a better better response if we paid for professional voiceover or even professional actors? You know, and and take some risks and, and kind of put forward ideas that push the envelope. Because yeah, you've been given an envelope and it says you've got this budget, it must do this, this, and this. But if you show people if that envelope was a bit bigger or different shape, and really kind of push this metaphor, what they could fit in that envelope or what they could get out of it. That can be really eye-opening 
Uh, and again, coming back to advertising, you know, a, a lot of advertising companies take a very similar approach. They'll be approached by a company, a family company has been around for a hundred years and they want to kind of push their marketing uh, and get a bit more revenue. I've uh, got very fixed ideas on on what their, their, their brand is, what their approach is, what their look and feel is. And that's fine. And that's great. But you'll often find that advertising companies when faced with that will we'll usually do this. They'll say, okay, well, here's what you've come to us with. Here's, mm-hmm. here's what you've given us. But look what you could have won. You know, if you think a bit differently about this and take some risks, this this is this is you know what we what we could do, and more importantly, what benefit this could drive. And as long as you pair it with benefit that it could drive, and don't stray too far into whimsy, and don't you know make it in kind of a passion project, you know, maintain some objectivity. Taking risks is the kind of through line for all of this. There have been e-learning hero challenges where I've, I've, I've taken a couple of risks. Some of some of the e-learning hero challenges are more whimsical than others, but they've mm-hmm. always they've always had at their heart, going back to the mind map, the, the brief that's being presented. You just might be a bit further on the outside fringes of that mind map than with some demos than others, um, and just just having that 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 breadth of work means that you can you can show clients if you're a freelancer, for instance, you know you can do high concept, you can do whimsical, you can do fun. Again, that word again. Or you, uh-huh. you can be more restrained, you can be more conservative, and you can cu- kind of cut your cloth accordingly to that. Um, I mean, one of my favourite e-learning heroes demos is is the one I did for the Extreme Challenge, um, which was the idea of the Extreme Challenge was just incorporate as, as many of the um, previous challenges, topics or techniques in, into one demo. And I did one about Hunter S. Thompson, the, the, the American writer who's famous for fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Uh, about about fear and loathing in Las Vegas, and um, it it does contain a swear word. It's not safe for work. Andres Thompson wasn't safe for work. Um, but <laughs> I think he's safe for any work by journalism, and I think uh, even that pushed it sometimes. But again, that that's been really well received. It's amazing. I've shown it to half a dozen people. Yeah, and and again, it it, it bears no relation to a corporate product, uh, anyone's brand. No, it's just a good time. Um, it's just it just demonstrates what I can do with that software yeah. given, given free reign on the topic. Um, so at the very least, take some risks. Your client might go for it. Your employer might go for it. But if they don't, it's something for your portfolio. Um, there's, there's no waste in creativity. You know, um, it's any heat and noise that comes out of this process will find an application somewhere else. Agreed. And and if I were to sum up your top 10 tips or your, yeah, top 10 tips, I said that right, um, to anybody else, I would say that the theme that runs through all of them is think differently. You have to think differently about the way that you are creating things. And so I think all of them either include reusing something or innovating something or putting yourself in a different space so that you can think differently about what it is that you're trying to do. And I love that. And I echo it wholeheartedly because I think that the only way that we're going to keep ourselves interested in our own work and keep getting better is if we start to think differently about how we design learning. So let me, let me ask you this one more question about the top 10 of the top 10 that you listed, which is the most effective or at least which do you think is the most effective for you without a shadow of doubt tip one um mind mapping it mm-hmm. works for me it might not work work for you it might work for your audience 
but it, it, it's the one that I always commence this process with. That that gives you a kind of graph then of, of, of how, how much risk you're going to take with this with this demo. Um, so I think that combined with with being open to taking risks and mm-hmm. having the self awareness to kind of pull yourself back from the outer fringes of that mind map, temper what you're doing with you know learning science. There's some there's some very very good people to follow uh, on, on on Twitter and the like. You know, learning scientists who will point out you know things like retrieval practice, chunking, and combine you know that open creative thinking with established science is a very very powerful mixture. So take risk creatively but you know don't stray too far into whimsy and just keep an eye on you know is it, is it achieving your desired results is it, mm-hmm. is, it, is it entertaining and effective if it's not both then then it needs to be i like that so much thank you so much for sharing these 10 uh top 10 tips boy i that is really a tongue twister <laughs> These top 10, top 10, I'm leaving that in, by the way, top 10 tips for boosting creativity. So, so what's next for you? Are you going to do another 52 articulate e-learning heroes challenges? Um, I think we perhaps need to ask my wife that question. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) It's uh, like I say, I didn't plan for the pandemic or the, the the new working from home situation when, when I started this and certainly Mm -hmm. I'm in, I've been off them for two weeks now. Sounds like some sort of habit that I'm trying to break. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly going to go back. Um, I probably won't be going back on a weekly basis, but I, I have I have said to other people who've asked, you know, I'll probably pop in at least once a month and, and have a go at whatever that particular demo is for that week. Um, again, I don't think I I think there's benefit in not being choosy about the the challenges. I think you can sit on the sidelines for too long, waiting for the waiting for the challenge that, that meets your particular skills, which I think mm-hmm. misses the point a little bit. So I right. might pick a I might just pick a week in the month, and if the challenge drops that week, I will do that challenge regardless of what it is, because I think that it's important. You, you know, in, in part of that taking risk is going outside your comfort zone as well. Agreed. And it exposes you to kind of new things in, in, in the process. Um, but I'm currently participating in the show which is an e-learning design competition mm-hmm. run by the Very Learning cool. Conference uh, with Kath Ellis at the helm of that. Um, so I'm currently, as of speaking, in the the final 32 um, contestants for that, which is, I, I didn't even expect to be shortlisted for the the final 64, to be honest. So, you know, and and, and that's essentially come about because of the, the work I've shared through the e-learning career challenges, the experience that's given me. Um, so that that's been really interesting. That's been stretching my creative muscles in in different ways, um, because it's there isn't so much of a focus on the particular offering tool for that challenge. Indeed, it's it's quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. As well as just kind of keeping a hand on the tiller at Commercial Express and and, and making sure our, our learning management system is still meeting our, our customers' needs, particularly during yeah. this this period of uncertainty. I would uh, highly encourage you to check out Jonathan's blog, see how he did in the show, and. Uh, read all about how DevLearn was. Now you're going to have to write at least two more blog entries because <laughs> I just called that for it. <laughs> you can't find um, me on the internet. They went very badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think that you're going to be pleasantly surprised with uh, the outcome for that. All right. So as we are wrapping up, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions that I ask all of my guests. So the first question is, how do you align your passion with your work? That's a really good question. I think it's just about finding a little bit of joy in your day. As I've said, insurance isn't the sexiest of topics. 
Um, there's only so far you can push that word association. There's only so many creative directions you can take certain of the topics. So if you can't approach the topic creatively, maybe um, you know look at the um, other aspects, the interaction design, just just something else that piques your interest. Try and just try and find something in each project which you didn't know before or you can build on what you've known before and just try and treat every day as a school day is something I say quite often. And I really do mean that. Um, I think my, my, my passion as regards to e-learning is um, just being in a situation where, you know, I've been in that situation where you, you're sitting in front of a, a mandatory piece of e-learning. Your employer says you need to sit down and do it. And it's, it's hideous. It's pain. It's a painful experience. And, all of my efforts I, I, so far and will continue to go into just making that that experience as painless and as pleasurable as possible for that person, particularly when it comes to topics that aren't very sexy or that mandatory learning that they have to do every year. Um, let, let's just make it as painless and as, as nice an experience as possible. Um, so that's what I'm passionate about and that's what I try to find in each project. I like that a lot. What is the message that you want to get out to our listeners? What do you want them to remember? It can be topic related or not. Just keep trying. Just just keep going. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Um, don't be afraid of scrutiny. Um, I'm very, very passionate about um, the work of John Stepper, uh, Working Out Loud. It's a kind of program he espouses and it's a worldwide thing now where you go through this 12-week program with what's called a Working Out Loud Circle. And you um, help each other achieve a professional objective in the process, kind of networking and developing your own skills. And part of this is about being generous with your time and your expertise and, and sharing that in ways that contribute to a wider conversation and almost like instant karma. You'll, you'll get you'll get as much back as you put out. Um, so, you know, don't hide your light under a bushel. Everybody's good at one thing. Whatever that one thing is, share it. Um, in the process of sharing it other people will see that you're good at it and maybe come to you for help and you kind of make make friends you know I I count a lot of people on LinkedIn yourself included as friends now you know I have as much contact with my American colleagues on on LinkedIn as I probably do with with UK ones probably more so and this network becomes a kind of virtuous circle where you you help them and, and, and they help you and you know everybody gains from it it's not this isn't a zero-sum game it's not it's not a a monologue it's a conversation um and just just keep keep that conversation going and be part of the conversation but don't be afraid of finding out that you're not the this thing that you do the best thing that you do you're not the best person at it um what can you learn from the people who are better than you at it um Mm -hmm. and be objective about that and don't feel threatened by it because you won't get better until you know you know you, you don't know what you don't know and until you see and participate in an open and honest way with, with other people in your profession, you, you, you're never going to grow. Um, so just treat every day as an opportunity to grow would be my message. I like that. That's a great message. How can people connect with you if they want to after the show? Good question. Now, I've recently launched my own website. It's, it's very much a work in progress. So any feedback on that is, is, is welcome. Um, and you can find me at engagebraintrain.com. Um, and that's my new website. And from there, you can email me. You'll find links to my uh, LinkedIn page and also to Twitter, where I'm pretty active as well. Um, if you want to go straight to Twitter and find me, I am at jhill underscore 
this is where I, I think I should have a better Twitter handle, but it's at jhill underscore asoc, A-S-S-O-C, C-I-P-D, because I am associate C-I-P-D. Um, that's a, a, the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development in the UK. Um, it's not the Chicago, Illinois Police Department, as I tell some people. <laughs> so at jhill underscore asoc, C-I-P-D. I may change that in future because every time I've been asked that question, it doesn't really trip off the tongue. So it's either that yeah. or engage brain train, which, which trips off the tongue far more quickly, uh, engagebraintrain.com where you'll find links to my portfolio and also contact me if you want to get in touch with me as well. And as I say, links to my LinkedIn page and also back to Twitter. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan Hill for sharing your thoughts today. And thank you so much listeners. Watch for another episode of the, if you ask Betty podcast soon, peace out.